ready, go ahead. Welcome to the Garbage Fire Podcast, aka MFKS Radio, on the airwave dial at 487.52. Your pod is ho- hosted by Megan and Kelsey, who are the Lords and Lady of Babenberg. <laughs> Amazing! The Garbage Fire Pod is all about being unironically passionate to the point that you would dive into the dumpster for the things that you love. And I think it's safe to say this is going to be a real deep dumpster dive today. It's only the last kingdom. <laughs> That's it. Mark your calendars for an hour. Yeah. Uh, spoilers. Spoiler, spoiler, spoilers. So many spoilers. Um, I think we should start off with the comment that we both made. Uh, it was so bleak and so depressing. Yeah. You, I am so impressed that you pretty much mainlined it in what 72 hours if that oh no like literally less than a day because i watched two episodes the night it was released and then i went i took a day off work and then then i went to bed and i got up in the morning and i watched the other eight and it took me like six weeks (laughs) (laughs) not no it was like three weeks but it was funny because it took you three weeks to do this and a day and a half to do bridgerton yes but we talked about this because (laughs) bridgerton you can just you can just listen, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. But so much happened in this season. I could only watch two episodes at a time before I was just like, oh, man, I need, yeah. like, I need a break. They also did a really good job, though, in that in that same vein of, like, pairing the episodes. And yes. so, like, it kind of, you could watch two. And, and not and that the story was wrapped satisfied. up. Yeah. But, yeah, there was enough of a wrap-up at the end of every second episode that you're like, okay, I can, you know, go and do something different and come back and, like... Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why I watched two the night that it f- was released, because I watched the first one and I was like, I can't leave this here. And so then I watched the second one and then I had to listen to You've Got Mail so I could fall asleep. <laughs> oh. Well, the first two are pretty rough. <laughs> yeah. The first two are, yeah, real rough. Uh, opens in Iceland a number of years after we've last left our characters. I would say, what? How old is that kid? Eight, nine? I don't know. I don't think she seven. was that old. I was thinking seven, for sure. So so it's been a while. Like, Brita has a child. She was pregnant at the end of the fourth season. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has her child, and her child is, like, not a baby. Her her kid is, is a small human. And sucks um there's no way around that one that kid sucked um but that's how it opens and breed has been off like i don't know i'm sure that her and her people have been like pillaging and whatnot all around just well, not she's in been creating in a Iceland. cult oh absolutely and they've been she's in Iceland. And- jonestown circa 901 <laughs> ad and that opening sequence though was beautiful oh so beautiful and like really set a quite unsettling tone for this season that other seasons didn't really do other than the first episode. Like, in the pilot episode, a whole bunch of shit happens. Like, the Scots invade, and there's the battle at Bebenberg and his fucking dad died. Like, all of that is so quick. It's like the first five minutes of the goddamn show. Yeah. And then and that then, time passage that shows Uhtred, like, as a yeah. young man, after being a child at the first, like, half an hour or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And and the other seasons don't necessarily do that. They they try to, like, establish a conflict, because there's always a time jump. But here it was, like, it was just straight up tone. And that was mm-hmm. so 
bizarre for this show Mm -hmm. to do that when it happened I was like oh no this isn't gonna be good there's a literal (laughs) metaphorical and literal (laughs) volcano erupting (laughs) yeah yeah well and so they set that tone and then after we get Brita and her cult we go to Uhtred and his band of merry men um, where they've been established now for a number of years and I commented to, to Kelsey that like their even their appearance was just a little bit softer a little bit less yeah. rangy, like, because they weren't fighting for their lives all the time. Um, and, like, Finnan's married, and you actually get to see, like, Citric's wife for more than four seconds at a time. I don't think she had a name, but, but <laughs> Not she was there brothel. with, like, <laughs> with their their kids. And, and Finnan's got a wife and um, and children, and everyone's sort of settled in Uhtred's like, They're a cookum, and so, like, Uhtred's the lord of the place. And, yes, they're, you know, protecting whatever, keeping an eye on things for Edward, but they're not, like... But it's not even for Edward, it's for fucking Ethelfled, it seems. Well, of course it is, but, like, ostensibly it's for Edward, right? And they're just keeping an eye on things, and they're, you know, everything, everything is just sort of... Keeping the river bandits back, and essentially they're lawkeepers. It's just, it's it's nice and comfortable in a way that most of these characters haven't been for most of the show. He's wearing a gorgeous blue tunic that I would like to die in. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah and and i and so that tone shift between the opening with brita and her cult and then you go to cook them and you see these like basically they've turned from like warriors into perimeter security guards yep in in a way right and they're just like hanging out and doing their thing and and utrid's you know he's still the boss and people still really respect him and they still have ethelstan with them they've kept him all of these years um, you know, and so, which is why the time jumps make no sense to me, because, like, at the end of season four, Ethelstan was, like, maybe seven, and now he's, like, a man. But anyway, it doesn't matter. He, the I time swear jumps to God, he wasn't even seven. Like, he, yeah. that could also be because he was, like, literally cloistered and didn't yeah. have an identity. So I can understand why he was a little bit repressed. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so you have all of this, and then there's a little, you know, there's there's some hints that, like, some bad things are going to happen. Um, and very just birds quickly, falling out of the sky. Yeah, and then very quickly <laughs> Uhtred realizes that uh, Brita is going to kill his entire family. Oh, oh, really, Megan? He very quickly realizes it? Very quickly in, realizes. In the most alarming thing I've <laughs> ever seen that took my breath away? Uh, yeah, so um, his eldest son, also Uhtred... Um, shows up in Cookham, and he's in his like tunic or whatever. And no, and... Megan, he doesn't just show up in Cookham. <laughs> but he does. He does, and he's, he shows up, and everybody before you see him, you hear these like screams of horror and whatever. And the way that it's all laid out, he like comes around this corner, and he's got blood all over the front of his tunic in his groin area because Brita has cut off his penis. She's just straight up. She's just straight up gone for Uhtred's legacy in a way that shocked me. Shocked mm-hmm. me. And, and, like, we talked about this before when we talked about this show. And I didn't, I mean, the books, he didn't do it, obviously, whatever. But I understand, like, she wanted so badly to not be taken cap- captive um, after the fight, when the, when the Welsh showed up. And then he let her get taken captive because he couldn't kill her. Um, and now she's, like, spent years 
and years mm-hmm. plotting to exact revenge. Mm-hmm. And she starts with his eldest son, which makes sense. It does, but we need to talk about Brita because it's so... I found her very frustrating this season because in previous seasons, she's she's aligned with a cause that doesn't falter. She's got a sense of authority and loyalty and respect and she has like men that report to her like she's she's a straight up leader in the Mm -hmm. first two episodes of this season i was like what about you is leadership right now like if i was her followers i would be like what are we trying to do we're you're like what's the point we're we're gonna take over your vic because your brother essentially has a daughter that lives there and you want to torture him and I'm just supposed to follow you and put my life on the line for this like there's it was so hard for me to understand why she had such a cult following because it wasn't even about the gods and like their own sense of mythology and religion because that was a lot of what the Danes were about like in previous seasons with Ragnar and like you know it seemed like that drove a lot of like to Valhalla like let's let's fulfill this belief set of our people this seemed way out in left field and she Mm -hmm. had collected all these fucking psychopaths and yet a few episodes later she's like oh Father Pure League like I need redemption and I'm just like, what? What the fuck is going... Like, there was no consistency with her whatsoever. And I understand that she's going through trauma and grief. But Uhtred is not to blame for any of this. Mm-mm. No, she brought all of that on herself. I mean, she like, did. she's mad at him. She's mad at him, and I think justifiably so. But Of course she has the right years. to be mad. But she doesn't have the right to literally hunt down his children. Yeah, and it's been years and years and years, right? Like, this isn't, like, something that happened six months ago. And then when her child dies, and we don't even... I don't remember her kid's name because she fucking sucked. Vivica! Um, When her daughter dies, it's doing the stupidest thing imaginable. Well, not really. She's doing... She's being a child. She's, like, climbing a roof in this siege of Everwitch. No, Megan, it's the stupidest fucking thing impossible. Like... But then... But if then, she's the same age as Olivia, Olivia would fucking never. Fair enough. But also, like, Olivia's mom is not Brita, right? So, like, there's... there's <laughs> um, Thank God you for know. that. <laughs> um, but, like, so she's climbing this roof, and Uhtred goes to save her, even though he, like, he realizes this is going to bring him in direct conflict with Brita. He goes to save this child, because, like, despite all some of his, you know thoughts about how the world should work, he's generally a pretty good man. So he, he goes up there and Brita does not want Uhtred anywhere near her child. And because of that, she yells at her to... Jump. To jump. The gods will she, save you, she says Yeah, and to then her. she falls and dies. 
And, like, Uhtred's helpless. He's not close enough to her to, like, even try and stop her from falling. And watches this happen. And as soon as that child hits the ground, you're like, well, things are going to get real bad now. If they weren't already terrible. Uh, it and was, they did get It was an worse. unbelievable choice, though, to say to your daughter, this is, okay, this is what drives me crazy about Brita. Brita has no right to believe in the gods. Because she constantly, just like Uhtred, feels as if the gods have abandoned her, that they're torturing her, they took Ragnar from her, they took Canute from her, Canute betrayed her, like, she took the Ragnarsons from her, like, everything in her they life. They lost, they took all of their victories from her, like, yes. any, you know, all of that, everything, yeah. Everything, 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 and yet... For some reason, in this season, she puts everything, everything into the will of the gods. And it's not until, like, when she finally uh, is confronted with Uhtred back at their, like, family homestead, she's, mm-hmm. she's just, like, she's just pathetic and crumples. And I'm like, what the fuck were you doing for seven years? that made you think that any of this would fly where your daughter you had your daughter walk through a crowd of your followers and at random pick a human sacrifice and you Mm -hmm. said this is the will of the gods no Brita you told her to do that Mm -hmm. that's why it made me so fucking mad even more mad than Alfred and all his will of the god bullshit Mm -hmm. in the first three seasons that she could put all of her actions behind this justification whereas yeah with Alfred and anyone anyone else that like the Danes encountered even like season one with like that king that they um shoot with the arrows oh yes to see if the you know but but they all have their faith in god and they but they all say that like it's not just a positive thing Right, yes. it's that, that it's that whatever God wants to happen is what's going to happen, and there's nothing I can do to change it. But my faith allows me to believe sure. in a positive outcome, and that's a very different kind of faith than what Brita has, which is blind for some I, reason. Well, like what? Bl- what in Brita's life? This is my sticking point. What in Brita's life makes her think that the gods a are listening to her? B will do anything she says when she says to her daughter, jump to me, the gods will save you. Yeah, no, that it's a absolutely a fair question because the last time that we see Brita at the end of season four, like before this one opens, is when um, she stabs Uhtred, if I remember correctly. Um Yes, she sure right. Does. She stabs him, and she's so yeah. mad. And she tells him that she's coming for him mm-hmm. uh, because she knows she can't do it right then and there. But she tells him that she's coming for him, and that's the last that we see of her. And then she spent years building this following, and you know, convincing. And so I, I assume that what happened in the intervening time is that they did enough, like pillaging and whatever, to keep everybody like fat and happy. Mm-hmm. That as she got crazier, they were still willing to follow her because they were scared of her. I mean, does Sigtrigger brother look scared of her? 
No, but he... No, I don't, not necessarily everybody being scared of her. He wasn't scared of... We need to talk about him. He was a fascinating character. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I think that she... I, I, that's what I feel happened, right? Is that there was just enough... You know, they had enough success in, like, small measures that as she got moved to be a little bit more and more extreme, her followers were like, yeah, we can still buy into this. Yeah, we can still buy into this. But this is the thing that makes me crazy because she has obviously a community. They've been successful in Iceland. She's got a daughter. She's got everything that she wanted, a sense of place because obviously all of that was taken for her just like from Uhtred when they were children and then also when fucking what's his nuts killed Ragnar yeah oh, fucking guy um what was it started with a k I think what the fuck was his name the guy that killed Ragnar yeah um Ethelwald no 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 old Ragnar oh old See? Ragnar yeah oh Kjartan Kjartan yes thank you um like they've both gone through extremely similar life experiences and yet she blames Uhtred for everything. How in the seven years she's not like, I've got a community. I've got a daughter that I've wanted my whole fucking life. Like after miscarriage, after miscarriage, after miscarriage and like thinking she was cursed Mm -hmm. and fucking killing. What was that guy's name? Story or whatever. Story. Yeah. Yeah. Like all those things that she had to go through. And yet, for some reason, it's still Uhtred that she comes back to as mm-hmm. unfinished business. That's what I don't understand. Well, and especially, especially at that point, because he's helped her um, find, like, he helps her figure out and kill who killed Ragnar, right? So she kills yeah. Ethel, or he kills Ethelwald and sends Ragnar to Valhalla after however long he'd been um, in purgatory, essentially, right? Yeah. Whatever it was called. Um, and, like, for whatever reason, she's unable to reconcile that with Uhtred, like, letting her get captured by the Welsh. But that's the thing. It's ridiculously unfair of her to do that because she even... She's upset that he's able to negotiate with Sigtryger at the end of season four for peace. Mm-hmm. He gets Jorvik. They're like in a sense of fealty in a way, but really it's essentially a truce between Danes and Wessex. And she gets to leave with her life mm-hmm. and go freely. And she's fucking pissed. Why the mm-hmm. fuck does she want Winchester? She doesn't give a shit about Winchester. Uh, no, but don't, don't, don't forget that she wanted to die to be with Ragnar and she wanted to die in battle so she could. And I think that like, th- cause that was part of the, that's what she says to Ushud before she gets captured, right? Just like, please kill me. Please let me be with Ragnar. Like that's what she wants. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a terrible ask. Like that's a horrible thing to ask someone. As we know from fucking Sig Trigger this season. Good lord. Yeah, like, just awful. And so, like, that's terrible. But she asks him for that. And I think, like, under, like, the underlying desire that she has through all of this is to die Mm -hmm. and be with Ragnar. And, like, part, maybe part of her whatever is, like, doing things that will get her killed. And yet, and yet, the irony of it all 
is that she wants to take out Uhtred's bloodline. And who fucking reconnects her with Ragnar? Mm-hmm. Ooh, oh, I know. Bloodline. Oh, it was so great. Like, that was a great moment. So as as we go through with her and she ends up, they end up back, like you say, at their childhood home. And Uhtred still can't kill her. He's, he can't do it. Um... And they've set that up, like, through all of the seasons, like, why yep. he can't. And I think it's sticking very well um, in his character. And, like, obviously knowing what you know, it doesn't matter whether you've read the books or not. Like, he, he this was, that was, like, episode six, and there were seven or whatever, and there was more episodes to come. Yep. So, like, you knew he wasn't going to die in this, like, final showdown mm-hmm. with Brita. And then Stura comes out of fucking nowhere and kills her. With one goddamn arrow through the heart. Like, that was With the most... arrow through the heart in a way that Ushri <sighs> would never have killed somebody. Which I thought was an interesting thing. Never. Never from afar like that without honor. And especially to someone who he loves so much. Like, he... It's so interesting when you think about the contrast of that and his execution of Sig Trigger. Because... Oh. That was incredibly moving, incredibly sad, but Sigtrigger asked of Uhtred the exact same thing that Brita asked of him. Mm-hmm. Please kill me, put a sword in my hand, like, mm-hmm. I respect you, I trust you, you are the mm-hmm. one who does this. Doesn't Sigtrigger even say, I want to go out with, like, the best warrior yeah. in history, or whatever the fuck? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like, and, like, that strokes Uster's ego a little bit, I think, in that way. Um, but he I does it because he, he underst- but he understands the honor in the request. Um, sure, and he but understands he that fulfills if- it for Sig Trigger, but not Brita. Yeah. No, and he won't do it for Brita. Because I think deep down, like... There's that bit whenever they, whenever the two of them ever had those like close moments, he would always, they would always talk about how he was half her life. And then she's like, yes, and all of, all of your madness, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's that, that connection that I think he's just hesitant to break. Which sucks because if he'd have broken the connection, everybody would have been alive. But anyway. Well, it's not even that. It's about, it's such a selfish act to allow the continued trauma of this family to go on. Mm-hmm. Like, Breda asked you. She asked to die. She's miserable. She's in pain. Mm-hmm. She is tortured, literally and physically and psychically, by everything that's happened here. Mm-hmm. And he won't do it because of his own weakness. And it's, mm-hmm. it's so frustrating that that's, there's so little instances where we see Uhtred weak and when it comes to Brita it's always weakness yeah Yeah. and yet he will kill his daughter's love in Mm -hmm. front of her Mm -hmm. and has the like audacity to say I know how to fix you Stura you will be quote-unquote queen again. I've set up this little deal with Edward. I, too, would be like, fuck you. Are you shitting me? Mm -hmm. I saw you murder my husband. Like, there's... Mm -hmm. Why would I ever trust you again? Why why would I ever listen to your judgment? Like, all of these things you told us got us here. 
Uh-huh. It was madness, Megan. He made oh, it was so absolute... many fuck-ups this season. So many fuck-ups. It was absolute madness. And, like, and the, the other thing, too, is, like, we can't forget, and, I mean, this isn't justify the mistakes anyway, necessarily, but he was also grieving. Yes, but... Okay, we need to get to that storyline because Finnan should never be trusted with secrets ever. <laughs> oh, I felt so bad for him. Like, oh what a terrible God. burden. What a terrible burden on him. Um, so, at the end of season four, there was this, like, hint-ish that Finnan and Edith, there was, like, a little spark there. Because you could tell Finnan was interested. And then she made that comment at the end of season four where, like, because she had been, like, she had, like, fought in the battle or whatever. And he mm. made some comments about how proud, you know... Um, how well she had done, and she said, "Well, if only someone who had cared about me was here to see it." And he was like crestfallen. Yeah. Um, and so there was this little like indication that something was going to happen, and then when the season opens, Finnan's married to someone who's not Edith, um, and he's got children and whatever, and that's fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. But it was just like a weird sort of jarring kind of thing. And then Edith comes back, um, and Finnan is like rocked to his core. Because she's back. So clearly he was not over whatever that, like, connection was. Even despite having been married and whatever. There was, like, a thing. And they played that very well. But then, I don't know if Edith, like, took advantage of that or not. No, but she I don't was think just, so. She was, like, like, you know, has to tell him this terrible, terrible thing. That Ethelflaed is dying, but he can't tell Uhtred until they, like, finish the thing that they're going to do. Which is such horseshit. I mean, Edith isn't wrong. If Uhtred knew, he wouldn't I'm have sorry, like, when, when is Uhtred <laughs> not emotionally compromised? Hmm. Agreed. But I'm just saying, <laughs> in this particular instance, she was not wrong to know that if he knew about Ethelflaed dying, that he, they wouldn't have gone and done the thing that they were doing. Sure. And that was, he needed it, to like, save Stiora, even though she, yes. she didn't really need saving. But whatever. There's, there's a lot going on there. But... Yeah, and so poor Fennon has this terrible secret that he's holding on to, and eventually he has to tell Uhtred because things are going terribly. Um, and he needs to know. He, he needs has to, to know. know. Come on. Uh, he has to know, and he finds out, and and he fortunately is able then to see Ethelfled before she dies. God, um, that that whole episode was so heartbreaking. I was oh, so worried so he was he wasn't gonna make it in time. It was so sad. But then he managed to still like make a joke when they're at um uh where's what's her what's her estate anyway, whatever her estate is. And they like leave out this secret door and he's like, I could have been sneaking in all these years to hump you, which I just thought was very funny. <laughs> because I of am. course that's a thing that he would point out. Um and then they go for a walk. I mean, if she was humping someone, then someone would have fucking noticed that she had breast cancer. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And they might have maybe, like, figured out something. before. Something. Anyway. Um, yeah. And so then they go for this walk. And it's lovely. And very sad. So sad. Like, oh my god. This season is such a gut punch in so many ways because in season four just to go back to like sig trigger for a second he's a creep i think in 
there's a little bit of Stockholm Syndrome going on because Stiora is like just so desperate for any excitement in her life whatsoever that's not at fucking Cookham. But she ends up leaving by choice to go with Sig Trigger. They set up a life. It seems like they have a great relationship. Yeah. Obviously, she doesn't like his brother. That's fine. Who does? He's a nightmare. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's the epitome of the black sheep of the family. Legit. And it's so, it's so heartbreaking that Uhtred loses so many, like, deep, deep loves of his life in this season. Like, Mm -hmm. he clearly had a very good relationship with Sigtrigger and Siora. He very obviously loved Osfer. That was mm-hmm. awful. Mm-hmm. I did not feel that he was mourned appropriately. I also don't think they had time, unfortunately. I like, know. And it was he... like it was like Bianca, right? It was the same sort of thing. Totally. Well, no, he gets like a whole episode of moping for Bianca. Well, seems <laughs> so yeah. like with Osfer, they're just like, well, time to move on gotta find Ethelhelm. Like, it it was just, mm-hmm. it was really frustrating. And then he's gotta deal with fucking Ethelflaed. And then Edward comes in. And motherfucking Edward does the same thing he tried to do the last season. Take advantage of a family tragedy to secure his own power and influence. And it made me sick to my goddamn stomach. Oh, and he said that fucking thing where he's like, I wish I'd had the chance to talk to my sister before she passed. But I'm just like, fuck you. If she had wanted you to know she was sick, she would have fucking told you. Exactly. And say what? For you to fucking tell her what to do with her own goddamn kingdom? Like, Mm -hmm. go to hell. So for the second time, uh, Mercia is in a in a state because now they have to worry about who's going to take over. And the first time that was the deal Uhtred was chosen, of course. And then he immediately gives up the throne to Ethelflaed, which I think is the best choice. And you know, she mm-hmm. does a fine job doing it this second time. However, her daughter wants fucking nothing to do with that life. It's so um, frustrating to have this, situation over and over and over again with the first child being so goddamn mm-hmm. hesitant to be king it's like or queen or whatever it's like what the fuck have you been raised to do otherwise <laughs> can you so the thing that I don't understand is of course now there's a crisis of like betrothal right and who's she going to be betrothed to because of course ladies can't be you know queens on their own and blah 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 Uh blah blah my question and i mean i guess i get it from a certain perspective is like the obvious choice for betrothal was aldhelm that's the obvious choice because whether or not that marriage produces an heir is unimportant at this point in time that's the obvious choice because he would very clearly give his life for ethelflaed's daughter a hundred percent. He's also... Just like he would have given his life for Athelflaed. Yes. And he's also entrenched in the community. He has the respect of everyone he would need to, to, like, mm-hmm. 
consolidate this deal and make it acceptable. And fucking Edward is such a piece of shit. Well, and so, so there's a, this is the obvious solution and I don't know why this isn't the obvious solution to like anyone else and why like it never gets brought up. I don't think it even, it gets brought up like in any capacity in the books either, which is so dumb because like knowing what we know, but how he started off as, um, Ethelred's man and then like betrays him in secret, but betrays him to save Ethelred's life and then serves her, you know, honestly and um, whatever for all of these years that's the choice and yes he's not of royal blood but that's still the fucking choice because she is of royal blood and it would at least keep things safe and stable for a while so instead edward in his infinite fucking wisdom decides okay. that the best solution to the problem is to kill all of the eldermen of mercia he is fucking unbelievable he is unbelievable at how little he learned. Because at the start of that episode, it really seems like there is the chance that he has changed. You see him being so happy with his marriage. He's obviously found someone else to be interested in that seems to make him happy. He makes a mm-hmm. few okay decisions where you're like, oh, okay, he's not such a absolute tyrant anymore. He seems and to, then, like, be literally, not literally, legitimately grieving his sister's death. Mm-hmm. And then he does the most awful thing he could do. I don't yep. understand him. Alfred would never. No, and, like, we've talked a lot about Alfred and, you know, his, like, missteps and his follies and whatnot. And, like... But he was known to make the correct choice in the end. And Edward continues to fucking wave his dick around. Yeah. Yeah, where Alfred would make the decision that, like, it might have been the unpopular choice. But in the end, it was the right choice. It was Mm -hmm. the best decision that could be made. And he also had, like, the principle. uh, The decisions that Alfred made were very principled, right? Yes. And he very firmly believed that what he was doing was in the best interests of... England. Wessex and England and his family and himself. And, you know, but he had, he had a principled stand. Edward doesn't have that capability. Mm-hmm. Um, he hasn't, he's still quite impetuous and like does, hasn't figured that out yet. And so when he makes these decisions, like if you're looking at it from afar, I get, I understand killing, getting rid of all the eldermen. I do understand that. Like I know mm-hmm. where the thought process lies, but like that was not the choice to be made at that point in time. Absolutely not. And also... He he wields his father's legacy like a weapon, which is not the point of it. The point of it was to have, like, a safe and united peoples under a crown. And I'm not, like, I don't agree with this, obviously. But that was the point of it, whereas Edward sees any obstacle to that as a challenge to him personally. Mm-hmm. And Whereas Alfred saw those obstacles as challenges to the plan. Yes, totally. But not a personal attack. No. He would say it was a personal attack from God. 
sure. Yes, but not a personal <laughs> attack from, you know, Joe Schmo over here. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so frustrating. Well, and especially because, like, we saw him at the end of season four, right? And the, uh, like, his just inability to make a decision. Yeah, and just any needs, decision. And, like, literally any decisions, yeah. And then needs... Um, Uhtred, again, to step in and, like, save the day, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know why he does it, because then if Uhtred fucks up, then he can blame someone else for but the But he mistake, does the same right? thing here. He's like, I'm but, not, yeah. I'm not, not acting. I am taking my time. And I'm like, you are not acting, sir. <laughs> you aren't. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And so because of that, like, and one of the things that I found really interesting, and they did it in season three after Albert... Albert. Alfred died. And I was thinking about those journals that I was transcribing. Anyway. um, So they did it, yeah, season three after Alfred died. And then, like, Elspeth is trying to counsel him. And he doesn't like it because she's a woman, obviously. Um, And she's like, I was the wife of a king. And she's like, well, now you're the son of a king. And he's just, like, such a fucking little piece of shit about it. And she tries the same thing. Mm Mm-hmm. In this season, and she legitimately, like, we need to talk about her character arc because she's fascinating, but she legitimately is thinking for the great, the but like, for what's best for the greater good mm-hmm. at this point in time. And some of the things that she does in this season where she's risking her own safety to, Which like... she had never done before until the end of season four, when she, like... Yes. Has had this... To. Well, she also has this fascination with Ethelstan because she figured out she was an absolute dingbat. Yeah. And so so she so she has a purpose, right? Yeah. And so she does some really interesting things that would absolutely go against mm-hmm. what her son wants. I mean, she does it in season four where she sends uh, Father Pierlig to the Welsh and yeah. and Edward gets mad at her. And some of the stuff that she counsels him to do in this season, he's just like, fuck you, mom. No, I don't want to do that. And I'm just like, you should listen to your mother. But also, how uh, many times do you have to be wrong, Edward, before you're like, oh, okay, I need to listen to my advisors a little bit more? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. For sure. He's also, uh, and he, to his credit, I will say this, he does not listen to Ethelhelm anymore, and good for him. <laughs> yes, it's true, and because then he, when he finds out why, oh, oof, anyway. So, yeah. Edward is, like, more or less, ha- like you said, more or less happy in his marriage. Uh, his wife is unhappy, um, because there's now a new woman. Anyway, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so she goes with one of her, like, ladies-in-waiting on a pilgrimage, mm-hmm. and, um... Ethelhelm has, like, set up an attack on this little convoy and ends up, I don't remember, what's her name? I don't remember her name. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, And ends up killing her. So the queen is dead. Queen's dead. And and it's terrible because, like, this now has to be sort of kept a secret and then Edward finds out exactly sort of who's responsible. Um... And whatnot, and kind of loses it a little bit, which, fair enough. But, like, it's awful. It is absolutely awful what ends up happening, and Ethelhelm is obviously just trying to, like, you know, maintain power any way that he possibly can. But he doubles down, Megan. He fucking doubles down. What he should have done was give up. Like, what, what in his mind was going on where after that moment... He he talks about all of this shit as, like, his bloodline, getting his bloodline on the throne. And yet all of his fucking conniving 
directly leads to the death of his daughter. Mm -hmm. His grandson is a piece of shit who has no, I don't know, brain whatsoever. Yeah, he's awful. He sucks so much. He sucks so much. He has one redeeming moment, and that's when he doesn't want his cousin to be forced to marry the King of Scotland. Yeah. That's his one redeeming point. Yeah, and he's been brought up by... You can tell, though, where he's been brought up and who he's been brought up by and influenced by, whereas, like, Ethelstan, on the other hand, is, like, a decent human being, seems like. He seems to be, but after his daughter dies, he has that that scene with his fucking man in his tent city, his right-hand man, whatever the fuck his name was. Yep. And... He, you see him go through the stage of, like, denial, acceptance, and then buckling, doubling down. As mm-hmm. if, like, if, well, I guess I've got nothing to lose now. And it's like, oh my god, actually you do. You fucked up everything. And you need mm-hmm. to stop. Because you're getting all these people killed. But he doesn't care. He doesn't yeah. care. He doesn't care at all. His daughter died. He grieved for about a minute. Mm-hmm. This was supposed to be all about her, all about his grandson. But it's mm-hmm. not. It's about him. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Yeah. And then he dies in the most cowardly way imaginable. But it was like, pretty good. <laughs> I mean, it was, no, I'm glad that he died, but it sucked that like no one got the, got the satisfaction of doing it. What, didn't Ethelstan do it? No, didn't he do it to himself? Oh, yes, that's right. It was he, didn't he very gross. Yes, he stabbed himself in the throat. It was very gross. Yeah. But, like, yeah, and so, and unfortunately, like, you know, his grab, like, the, 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 the kids are there, ultimately. And Ethelstan says to his, his brother, he's like, yeah, you ask your grandfather what happened to your mother. Yeah, because he knows. Because um, he knows what happened. And, and then the poor kid, like, can't do anything. And, yeah, and then Ethelstan just, like, kills himself, which is such a cowardly thing. And, and it's interesting how that's set up, because in this in this show with as much as we learn about like the danish culture and and that warrior culture like suicide is an absolute no-no Absolutely. right in that and so even though even though ethelhelm isn't a dane and even though we don't associate him with that it's this the show has still told us that like suicide is the coward's way out mm-hmm. because you're not facing any of the things that you've done you've just you're taking the easy way out and so he dies a coward Totally. Ultimately. And only when his grandson knows the truth and it seems like all his scheming is for naught. Yeah. Yeah, if, the, if he thought there was a chance he could get out of it, he wouldn't have done that. No, he wouldn't have. Like, no question. Um, so, yeah, that was that was maybe, like, I mean, obviously he was going to die and that's satisfying, but it was disappointing how that happened because he did take that coward's way out. But it also meant that there's, like, there's no one left to mourn him, right? He's severed all ties that he might have had. Mm-hmm. Um, his daughter's dead. His grandson now wants nothing to do with him. Oh, why and, would he? Yeah, and so anything that he's worked for for all of this time since the child was born is for nothing. Because this is the thing. This is the thing. Regardless of Ethelhelm's machinations, his grandson is going to be king eventually. Mm-hmm. Ethelstan is a bastard. 
He's mm-hmm. not going to be recognized. Edward has recognized him only in the fact that, yes, he is his son, and Ed- and Uhtred, please raise him for me. Yeah. Turn him into a warrior of men, essentially, so that he can have a career pretty much in the military. Which, like, yeah. fine. That's fine. Yep. There is no hint that his blood is not going to be on the throne. Yeah. There's no reason for Ethelhelm to do any of this. One, especially like even once his like once his daughter's dead and you know whatever, and like Edward remarries and has another child, like that other child is not very likely not going to be on the throne. No. Right, and so yeah, the like claim all of the is so weak by then. If there's already an adult male child recognized mm-hmm. as legitimate, like. Why is he complicating this? Yeah, absolutely. And it's just like, yeah, he, he just, he tries so hard and it just, it fails. And it kind of goes back to that, that question of like, you know, faith and whatnot. Yeah. Because like, if, if he was, and I mean, and he makes a big points in when we first meet him um, and then throughout season four, he makes a point of talking about how important it is um, that, you know, Edward surrounds himself with like good Christian men mm-hmm. and whatnot and like not Uhtred because he's a godless heathen um and it sort of for somebody who claims to be as faithful as he is it seems strange that he doesn't just like let things happen the way they're supposed to happen well totally but that's also just <sighs> apologist bullshit too you know what i mean like I don't know. Continue. I my thought is well. No, it just it just no, but it's just like it seems like such a weird thing that his character spends all of this time talking about how important it is that the king is surrounded with good Christian men and this and this and this, mm-hmm. but like doesn't take that second step to like, you know, understand that like like Alfred would that you know this is how God wants it to be, so that's how it's going to be ultimately. Yeah. Um, it's it's very hypocritical in that in that sense. Oh, totally. He has like no no moral backbone whatsoever he has the moral <laughs> backbone of a, of a chocolate eclair <laughs> as soon as you said moral i was like oh i can hear john mulaney saying the thing he does he absolutely <laughs> does and it's so when he fucking peacocks over to the king of scotland and then rules over bevenberg as if it's his fucking realm I wanted to puke at how disgusting his sense of self-satisfaction was. Oh, it was terrible. It was, it was awful. Awful. I was like, where do you get off? Like, literally nothing you've done has been successful. Yeah. I don't understand why you can have this. Ad- the audacity of Ethelhelm is something <laughs> to behold. It really is. And, like, for someone who ultimately, especially now, that his daughter is dead and he legitimately has no tie anymore. Like, yes, her the grandson, but, like, you know, he sh- like there's no reason for him to be close to the king anymore or be able to, you know what I mean? Like, now that now that, that connection is gone. Yeah. He just, like, you know, sort of keeps with it, I guess, uh, hoping that no one will find out the truth. Well, I guess I'll say it again. There was no reason for him to do any of this. No, none. So stupid. So he's fucking terrible. Um, 
The best decision Edward makes in the whole season is to go to Bevanbur, um, and actually support Uhtred and sort of yeah. in his way. That's the best decision that he may be made in the entire show. I don't know. Um, can we talk about the fuck you at Uhtred gives him at the end of the show though? Um, well, yeah, but let's like, um, can we okay. talk about the Scots first? Yes. And like sure, all of ahead. that. So, Okay. So a delight the Scots, to the ears. A delight really, to the ears. Really, very much a delight to the ears. Um, so the Scots are, they raid the shores um, around Bevanbur at the beginning of season four. Um, and I was rewatching it. I haven't rewatched season five yet, but I was like, you know, doing stuff and had it on. And then I hear um, Uchard's uncle, whatever his name is, talking about the Scots. And I was like, is this the same people? interesting uh-huh. um and they're kind of dressed and i was like you know they're sort of like dressed the same like color wise and stuff and i was like oh fascinating um and so they obviously because of where it is like it makes sense that'd be a very good strategic holding for the scots um because it's so far north and whatnot um and so the idea is that king constantine is going to marry um a flood's daughter is it elfwin is that her name yes elfwin. So. uh is going to marry elfwin and she's like what 16 maybe 17 like she's not yeah old. If she's that, not an, an adult adult. No, no, no. She's definitely but, a teen. Who I think yeah. fucks? Question mark? I think is she, she maybe does too. I don't know if she was fucking, Can't but she there was ever? there was definitely definitely some like hand action going yes, on for yes, sure. Yes, yes. Um and which I just is it was that was like one of the few like light moments in the entire season was that this like horny teenage girl was like yeah, trying to get it with a horny teenage boy. It was great. Um, but like, so Scottish King is supposed to, like, he's ultimately been betrothed to her and he, she obviously wants nothing to do with this. Yeah. Um, cause she's, she's got, she's got a man already, uh, who she's sad about, um, cause he's not there. Um, but King Constantine, uh, says to her that it'll be, um, a barren marriage. Mm-hmm. And he will treat her kindly, and he she will have uh, a, a pick of places to live, and he will not enter her chambers. And she and I says, was like, "Okay." And I was, <laughs> she says that, that that's like the most honest thing that someone has said to her, and like I think she's okay with that sort of arrangement. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Scots come in, and they're so like full of like just I don't know piss and vinegar, which is like so such a, a different. Um tone from everybody else in this season yeah um and so when everybody finds out what's going on and who's up at Bevanbur and that Elfland's there and Athelhelm is there and etc etc um Edward's like well I guess this is what I need to do so Uhtred I'll help you get your place back let's go and so they do and it the last two episodes are just so bleak oh my god they put so many characters at risk of death like it's so frustrating. I was like, haven't we been through enough? <laughs> I know. And, and, we and then Edward. And you see fucking Aldhelm get trampled. And I was like, Megan, oh my God, I can't. Yeah, and then <laughs> he, he's okay. Like, he's no! fine. He's fine. Because um, you, you asked me, you texted, did I just see Aldhelm get trampled to death? And I was like, you saw him get trampled. Yes. Um, because I, I knew he wasn't dead. Heartbroken. 
at that point. I was like, I literally can't with this show. The show's taken everything from me. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's just like, oh, it was just, everything was so bleak. Like, the whole season. The, like, light, before we get into the last two episodes, the absolute lightest thing that happened up until the end of uh, the last episode was when um, Elspeth stabbed that guy. <laughs> oh, my God. That was fucking hilarious because she was so funny about it. She was so proud of herself. Um, and her, her? like... Quasi-friendship with Edith is no, just, we, like, A-plus good. No, we need to talk about her practicing to stab. <laughs> and how moving a knife two inches each direction is a stab that will kill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she was she was delightful in this season. She really was. And it's a testament, I think, to, you know, obviously when she realized at the end of season four that she really fucked up yeah. um, with how she treated her grandson. Um and, like, you know, started, she actually did some things that you could actually call, like, where she was realizing that she had to make sacrifices. Um, Absolutely. Despite being the mother of the king and whatever. Um, and her friendship with Edith was, like, fascinating to me. Like, absolutely fascinating. Because um, on their, on its face, like, you would not imagine those two characters would ever um, get to know each other, never mind, like, become friends. Um, but totally. they definitely did. They definitely did, and it was really interesting. Well, the thing about her to this season is that it's very interesting because she seems to be fighting for Alfred's legacy, but she is such a closer relationship to Ethelflaed than it seems like ever before. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems like Ethelflaed and Alfred were very close. Like, he was such an important part of her education to be essentially the wife of a king, but be able to do it competently and with the knowledge of what ruling a kingdom encompasses. And it really didn't seem like she had that much of a relationship with her mother then. No, but now she didn't. in this season, they're so close together that I was like, okay, so this, she really puts herself even third or fourth or fifth, which you really don't see in any of the seasons other than when she, at the end of season four, when she's like pretty much imprisoned, which was nice yeah. to see because she's yeah. able to show her humanity where before she was just like a fucking pious bitch. <laughs> she really up. was. She really was. Um, and, like, the actress, uh, Eliza Butterworth, she did a really good... If you watch, like, the earlier seasons and then watch this last one, um, they've... I mean, she's only, like, 30 herself. She's not very old, mm -hmm. which I think is very funny. Um, they did a really good job of aging her up. She doesn't look maybe as old as she should. No. But no one does, so it doesn't matter. But they did a really good job of aging her up. But in this season, I noticed, once she, like, started to unclench a little bit, mm -hmm. um, she looked... Not necessarily younger, but softer. Yes, I was going to say softer as well. In her appearance, which yeah. I thought was really interesting. So they did a nice job of that visual cue about her. And yeah, like her relationship with Ethelfled is, is very like close and very tender. Um, as And I mean, like, it's not like she doesn't know about Ethelfled's feelings for Uhtred, because she made some comments about it at the end of season four about her infatuation. But like, it's not like she's unaware no, um, and I think and so, at this and it, point too, she's the. Uh, 
there's a lot of it seems like when she married Alfred she was very young yes and she herself has grown up and understood a lot more about life than just being the wife of a queen like she's, yes she's lived a little bit she's out in the world a little bit she spent a lot of time with Ethelflaed and probably outside you know Wessex pretty much but yeah you're right. There's something softer about her that made her character a lot smoother to swallow. <laughs> oh, yeah. And just so much more likable. <laughs> like, she was just so much easier to to deal with. And so I think that pairing of, like, that friendship with her and Edith I thought was really interesting. Because Edith has, like, spent time in, in Frankia and, like, she learned mm-hmm. to become a healer and all this kind of stuff. And that's why she's been called into... That's why she shows up again. Because she's been called into service for, Ethel, for Ethelflaed. Yeah. Um... And, and she's seen with... some shit. Like, in the first season, yeah. she's seen some shit. She, like, takes on the personal responsibility of a sick child. And, like, she betrays her brother. Like, she's she's done some shit that makes sense that they would be a good combo. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so, yeah, they, they, they play off each other really well. So when Edith shows up and she's there as, like, in this healer capacity and whatnot. Um, and... They sort of figure out that like Ethelflaed can't be cured. Like there's nothing, mm-hmm. um, nothing that can happen. And but you see, once Ethelflaed dies, Edith is sort of like she doesn't have a job anymore, right? She doesn't mm-hmm. have a purpose in that sense. But she becomes like part of uh, Elswith's like entourage ultimately. And like they're, I feel like at the end of it, they're friends. Like they're legitimate mm-hmm. friends. And she's not going to leave. And she says the absolute fucking funniest thing. Uh, at the very end, and it, like, absolutely cracked me up, because I was just like, of course, of course this is what you want. Um, and so, like, all of the... Oh, about a view of the sea. The, yeah, the, like, the, the sea view or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, god damn it. Um, and so, when we get into that, those last couple episodes... <laughs> this Elswith... is how bleak the season is, is that Elswith is the comedic relief. Yes. <laughs> so, Elswith does something. Her and Edith actually do something. Um, they're, they've been told, Edward has told her to stay away from the battle. And so they do, they're not like actually in the battle, but then they fuck off, get on, on their horses and they go to find Stiora. So smart. Because the Scots are going to defend Bebenbur and Whitgar, fucking Whitgar, he's got like four people left in his employ who are going to try and defend. Um, but the Scots are good fighters and Edward's army is kind of going to be up against it. And so Elspeth and and Edith go woefully yes woefully unprepared um and understaffed and so elspeth and and edith go to find stura and they're like listen like this is what's happening and utrud needs your help and which is such a such a shift from how in the earlier seasons when you know someone would reward utrud with something and elspeth would get pissed because he was just a godless heathen uh and she's like no he needs your help and he needs it now and think of the things he's done for you yeah and I thought that was just, like, a really interesting shift in the way that she sort of portrays herself. Yeah, because it wasn't about, like, duty. It wasn't about responsibility. It was about, like, love, essentially. Which is, I don't think, anything she would ever weaponize in that way. No, not at all. She was just like, we, we he needs your help. And mm-hmm. he needs your help. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. Um, yeah, her stabbing a guy, priceless, priceless fun. 
Um, but at the end of it, when Uhtred's like, yeah, we can go and we can, we can, we've, we can go on the seawall, et cetera, et cetera, to like get into the gates of Bembar. But that path has been blocked because they did that in at the beginning of season four mm-hmm. when they tried to, when they got in, they used that path. And of course now over the years, it's been, you know, eroded away, probably, eroded yeah. away, wrecked by the water. Um, and I really enjoyed as much as it sucked that Osforth was dead because I wish he had been able to enjoy that with them. I enjoyed that little, like, hearkening back to them just doing dumb shit together. Oh, my um, God. They're, when, like, they're at that fin- point <laughs> when you're doing something that is either so traumatic or so dumb that you're just, like, hysterical about it. Or you've been awake, like, way too long and you just get the yeah. sillies. Like, they, they're about to die on that <laughs> cliff. Fucking Finnan is getting, like, dive-bombed by a bird, and, like, he's done. He's got and, the sillies. It's yeah, so and then, frustrating. And then when they pull him up, and they're just, the three of them are just standing on this, like, little tiny rock ledge. Like, part of me was waiting for it to crack while they were just standing Absolutely. there. Absolutely. But, like, they were just, yeah, like, they could not believe that they somehow had escaped um, death yet again, uh, which is the thing that we have also talked about. They should have died many times over. Um... But it's kind of funny in that respect, right? And then Uhtred's like, well, I guess we can't go this way. I guess we're going to have to climb. Um, And it's just sort of, they just carry on and they do the thing, Um, which is kind of nice in that way. I did enjoy that it was like hearkening back to that little bit of, you know, the like band of merry men, like we've sort of grown accustomed to. Totally. And like really for the one last biggest score, you know, like this is what they wanted to do with Father Bioka and it never worked out. Yeah, so let's try it again, and, you know, it sort of worked. Um, So they get up there, and, yeah, Edward's army, I don't know, Edward holds off longer than he probably should. He's always Um, doing nothing. He's always fucking doing nothing. I know. And then he sends, he sends Ethelstan to, like, go talk. And then they shoot arrows at Ethelstan's feet, and he's like, yeah, I guess uh, they don't want to listen. And Mm -hmm. so, like, it's just so stupid. It's so dumb. Um, and then, you know, when this, like, the actual siege starts and there's just, like, all of this fighting, the way that the fortress is, it's obviously, it's on a cliff. And so Edward's army gets trapped, this like, between <laughs> the Scots the and the cliff. <laughs> Fucking idiot. Of course they do. And I'm just like, oh, God. And so, of course, people, like, fall and are dying. And then Stuart does show up eventually to, like, help defend. Which, you know, kind of brings all of that sort of full circle, that, like, family... Mm-hmm. That notion of family and fighting for this territory, or whatever, and then um, Uhtred goes into the fortress to find his cousin, who then See? dies a spectacular death. Oh my god! See, this is the scene. This episode was the goriest shit, apart from Abba's fucking. <laughs> what was that? Season one. Yeah, season one, episode five. Still can't watch it. This is, like, pretty unusual to be so gross. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was truly shocking. Truly shocking. Oh, but before we talk about that, we have to talk about the fact that fucking, what's his name? Heston, who I refer to in every other season of this show as fucking Heston, actually did a good thing in this. I can't believe it. So... Richard goes to get Hild for her help, and she enlists Heston, who's been living at the Abbey and, like, selling stuff, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, 
selling like he's like a little uh, he like whittles tools now let's say I don't know what he does but he makes stuff and that's what he does and so the two of them go and they like their ship wrecks quote unquote um off the coast at Bebenburg and they get like let into the fortress so they can you know be Collect inside ship, essentially yeah. and Hild goes with him even though she's not supposed to Uhtred makes her promise and she does anyway because she doesn't trust that Heston isn't going to do the right tell them what the plan is and Heston to his credit has lived a happy life in the intervening years since we saw him at the end of season four and I think has realized that he fucked up a lot when he was a little bit younger and like redeems himself see this this is the shocking thing because Heston, too, was a fucking schemer like Ethelhelm. Mm-hmm. Scheming, scheming, scheming. Always attaching themselves like a fucking, I don't know, parasite to somebody stronger than themselves and trying to survive. They're, they're like cockroaches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he realizes somehow... That he can do the right thing. I don't think he thinks he's going to die. But he does no. the right thing. He lies. He saves the day. Dies a fucking hero. Ethelhelm could never. Mm-hmm. Would never. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. And it was just kind of nice. And, like, they changed his appearance up, too. Because he wasn't, like, in his warrior. His, like, dirty Viking warrior He was warrior also garb looking anymore. extremely soft. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in, in, like, yeah. In that way where he's had a life that's safe mm-hmm. and he hasn't had to fight for whatever right he's just been like making stuff and working and doing things um but then held being held she goes and she ends up inside this fortress so just to make sure um because they go to rescue elfwin they have to get in there to rescue her um and then at the end of all of this stuff Uhtred goes in and he has to get rid of his cousin because bevenbur is his birthright and he pushes Whitgar off this fucking balcony and what does he, like, well, I don't even know what he lands on. But he gets impaled on the dining room table. Yeah, I thought it was just, like, a fucking candelabra or something. It might have been, yeah. He, like, and that's how he dies. And the sound was awful. It was it was very, I assume, realistic, but, oh, it was gross. And then, then it's done. And then in the midst of all of this, Uhtred's, like, out in the courtyard, and there's fucking stuff on fire and so now this thing that he has risked his life countless times for and lost lost people in the process of trying to reclaim is burning and then the heavens open up and it starts to rain i couldn't believe it megan i fucking couldn't believe it because at that point he is at his lowest like his absolute lowest in terms of his faith in himself like he how many times this season does he say like i i'm cursed like fate wants me to suffer like he has no faith in himself he's Mm -hmm. he's just as lost as stewart is and he's like trying to navigate that and he's fucking losing spectacularly and it's burning to the ground and honestly at that point i was like good I mean, yeah, to be fair, yes, absolutely. Like, this place has tortured you your whole life. Like, to be free of it, to focus on your children, to focus on, like, just your men, 
you know, and just to be free of it. Like, what a weight off your shoulders. And then the fucking sky opened up. And I was like, come on. Except come on. if you think about it. But if you think about it in the terms like that we talked about at the very beginning of this, like, like this question of faith, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, this then is him he's like, he's being rewarded. Yes. He's right? He's being rewarded for all of the the torture and torment that he's gone through this season and so like it just pours rain and the fire's out and like at the end they do this spectacular spectacular end bit where he which i was like a sobbing disaster you you have to talk about it because i can't (laughs) i literally so okay so he's in there and he everybody all of his people like they're kind of cleaning up in the battlefield as they do and whatever and like Everyone is just so defeated. And then after, at the end of this battle, and then Uhtred runs in and, you know, it's burning and then the rain and whatever. And at the end of it all, it's still quite cloudy and whatnot, but everybody's inside the walls of Bember. And he's, like, up on the ramparts, like, looking out. Essentially looking out at, like, where he saw his brother's body being brought back. Right? Like, that's what he's looking out at. And it goes to this montage of, like, all of these people that he's cared about. And, like, in the course of the seasons, anyway, that he's cared about and lost. And I read... And it was, like, tragic. It was so sad. And I read something about how they did it. It was just him and the director and a camera guy. They just, like... There was, like, only the three of them up there. And they put this, like, montage of people... On a that phone we're seeing, yeah, that, that we're, we're seeing, seeing, and they had, had edited this and stuff already, and put it on a phone, and had him watch it while they were filming. While basically. he's li- while he's standing on the ramparts of everything he's trying to accomplish, his yeah. whole life, what he considers to be his destiny, his birthright, all of it, he's got it, and they have the fucking gall. <laughs> To play this in memoriam video. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I couldn't handle it. No, I was like, pff, absolute disaster. Absolute like, it disaster. was so hard to watch. Heartbreaking. Yeah. Heartbreaking. But, like, what a cool way to film it, ultimately, right? Like, to do it that way. Because it's, you know, the end of. All of this. And then, that's not the end of the show, though. That's the best part. Um, Because then we go back down into the courtyard and Edward's there and they're all, like, kind of glad-handing. We find out, of course, that Aldhelm is not dead. You know, he's he's very wounded, but he's not dead. Yeah. Um, And we find out that, like, Elfwyn and her little boy toy are going to be together. Um, That her grandmother is essentially, like, giving her blessing and stuff, which I think is very adorable. Um, And so there's all of this happiness and, like, Stuart's there and... um, uh, Uhtred's son, he's yeah, like, they're yeah, there yeah. and they have this, like, they have this, this beautiful embrace, um, and whatnot. And then Edward and Uhtred have this conversation and Edward basically is like, basically says like, I'll take your oath now. And Uhtred's like, no, the fuck you will not. But also <laughs> not just I'll take your oath now, but I'll take your oath publicly. Yes. Right now in this moment. All this shit that you've had to deal with and my let's say half ass support of you Utrecht yeah. is gonna demand you to kneel in front of me in front of all these people who actually are pretty fond of you yes yeah. <laughs> so, and so I'll take your oath right now I'll and Utrecht's like 
the nope, fuck you, you sure will. won't. I don't think because so. the deal that they made with the Scots was that it would not fall into the hands of Wessex. Yeah. Basically, so and Uhtred obviously wanting to live in man. his yeah. in his home, you know, wants to honor that and maybe needs a break for a while. Maybe needs a break from Wessex. Hasn't he done enough? <laughs> It's true. And so it's just, it's a very funny thing um, because like Edward just is so livid and he can't really react the way he wants to because he's in public and he's a king and whatever. And it's very funny. And then right near the end, you know, you have Uhtred around and speaking with people and he stops and he talks to Edith about, you know, the wounded and whatever and how some of them are going to need a long time to convalesce and Maybe she should stay and fucking Elswith just inserts herself into this conversation and yeah. she's like, oh, that would be lovely. And she's like, of course I'll need rooms with a sea view. And it's just so funny. And Uhtred was like, uh... But where else is she going to go? <laughs> like, but honestly, like, where else is she going to go? She's, totally. She can't go back to Wessex now. No, absolutely not. She's She's meddled too much in Edward's affairs. Yeah, like, she can't go back there, and that's fine. And I mean, I think everybody knows it. Yeah. It was just very funny that, like, despite all of her changes, this, and, like, she stabbed somebody, and she's, like, you know, going to ask Stuart for help and all of these sorts of things, that, like, there's still that little bit of her. Yes, there's that little (laughs) bit of her that's like, oh, yes, I'll take a room with a sea view, thanks. I'm still wife of a dead king, thank you Exactly, yes, and I am the mother of another king, Mm -hmm. if you would like me to remind you. It's, yeah, it's... It's quite funny, and I very much enjoyed that little moment. I cackled because it was legitimately one of like three funny things that happened the all season. season. The whole season, it was devastating. Truly, it devastating. really was. And then at the very, very end, you have Hild. The very last thing that you see is Hild bringing like a little monk boy mm-hmm. to Bevenber, and the little monk boy was like Uhtred's youngest son, who he's never actually held um, because. Gisela died giving birth to him. Yeah. And Uhtred just, like, stormed away. And, I mean, fair enough. There was a lot of things going on when that all happened. So, like, mm-hmm. I understand that reaction, I think. Um, and, yeah, so he's never actually, like, really met his son. <laughs> and the little boy's like, oh, do you think he knows my father? And Hild's like, well, I think he might. Yeah. And it was, like, just a nice little way to end. That but- there's more to the story that we don't need to necessarily see. Well, but that's the thing. What the fuck is a movie going to be about? Okay, so here's so okay. The, there's the because the season, as it the series, stands, no conflict, Megan. He's Lord ending. of Bebenberg. He's been reunited with all of his children. He's got a fourth kid in Ethelstan. Everybody loves yeah. him. Everybody's happy. Fuck Edward. It's great. High fives yeah. all around. Well, and in the book too, in the books, he and Edith do end up getting married. If I remember, I think they don't just like get together. Like I'm pretty sure they end up getting married. I mean, if um, I was either, I wouldn't. <laughs> well, fair enough. But like at that point, at the point that it happens, like things are much calmer, and he's like an actual like he's got he's in a position of power, like legitimately because sure. he's now the lord, right? And, and so said like it many a time, if you're with Uhtred, you're gonna have a bad time. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But my other question before we talk about what's gonna happen in the movie. My other question is this. What about, like, Finnan's family and Citric's family? Because, like, they have family back in Cookham, right? Like, that's where their families are. And there's no indication or discussion or whatever. Like, they're just going to stay, obviously, in Bumber, and that's fine. But, like, are they going to bring their families? Is that a thing that's going to happen? I I would assume so. But it was just, like, one of those weird loose ends that all of a sudden, like... 
Because they even say, like, because after the whole thing with Sigtrigger and Stiora, and Uchra's just, like, spiraling, trying to figure out what her path is going to be, and they're like, uh, our families already are gone. Like, we can't yeah. just go back there. Like, yeah. there's nothing back there for us, and there's nothing back there for you. Like, that, that whatever, seven years of peace... Mm-hmm. is gone. You it's need gone. to let it yeah, go. Yeah, there's nothing left. So, okay, so the last, um, this, this season here, because each of the seasons is roughly two books, the last one that's here is the Flame, it, it was in the series anyways, The Flame Bearer is book 10. The next, so the next one, there's three after that. There's War of the Wolf. Yeah, there's 13 books altogether. There's War of the Wolf and Sword of Kings and Warlord. And so in the 11th book, Uhtred is like, this is why I was wondering what was going to happen, because Ethelflaed does die, but she doesn't die until the beginning of book 11. So I was like, oh, I get why they did I it see. when they did. It makes sense because yeah. the series has, like, I appreciate it. Um, and then also the stuff with Ethelhelm happens in book 11. So they do kind of combine some stuff. So my assumption is that, like, the movie's going to be, if it's sort of a continuation, um, it's going to be, like, 12 and 13. Okay. Um, but at, at that point, like, Uhtred is the Lord of Bevanbur, and he is, um... 50? 60? Old. Yes, very old. Much older than this. And so, the title of the film is Seven Kings Must Die, and there are seven kingdoms in England, right? Like, the, and so my assumption is that this is, like, gonna be the film that, like, unites England. Like, that's gonna be the sort of end of that. Because I think at the end of the last book, if I remember... Um, if I remember correctly, at the end of the last book, Uhtred is like, basically, there's a battle to basically to decide the fate of this, like, English Mm -hmm. project that Alfred was interested in, and Uhtred, like, is the linchpin of that. So I assume it's going to be that sort of... I mean, hasn't he been? (laughs) Well, no, but he's, like, but he's, like, legitimately, like, he's, like, legitimately the thing that's going to either make it Make happen it or stop it from happening, right? So I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm pretty sure that's that's what it's about. Uh, and the Scots come back, and then I'm pretty sure there's, like, um, Vikings in Ireland and whatnot that are all part of it. You know what's so funny is, as obviously would love to see more of these characters, was so happy that they didn't recast the kids, love the actors who play Young Uhtred and Stiora. They're fantastic. Yeah. And even, like, Ethelstan, it was alarming to see him, like, as a young man, but I think everybody mm-hmm. did a great job. But what is so funny to me is I was listening to a podcast that happened to be about um, the Vikings, and they were talking about how in this same period, it was Eric the Red... And I was like, fuck, that would be a good show. Like, Mm -hmm. finding Greenland, finding North America, like, all of that shit would be fucking fascinating, too. Like, fuck England. Who cares about England? There's other more interesting things in the world. Would love to see that show. It would be really interesting. And so, like... Yeah, so I'm not sure about the film and, like, what it's going to do, but, like, I've read some stuff that it's not quite a continuation. It's, like, kind of a standalone-ish, but it's, like, got the same characters, which is good, because I don't... I think, like, where this ended, you're right. There's no conflict. Everyone's happy. Everyone's where they need to be. Well, it's the completion of the story, right? He said destiny is all in Mm -hmm. season one, and yet here it is. It's culminated. 
There's been yeah. so much won and lost along the way, but he's done what he promised himself when he was a boy that he would reclaim his homeland. And Yeah, and he did. And he did. My question is, does that mean that the film isn't necessarily Uhtred as the main character? Potentially, and I'm not sure. Do we know a release um, timeline for this? No, it'll be, like, if it's going to be this year, it'll be, like, late, like, around Christmas, I would assume, because they just finished, like, filming uh, oh, they've already filmed. Ago. Okay. Yeah, they've already filmed it, yeah. And I think they did it because of, like, the sets and whatnot, like, they just oh, sort of... Oh, they did it ...moved from one into the next. Five? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but it's, you know, roughly about a two-hour runtime is sort of the... Right. ...the idea. But the fact that it's called Seven Kings Must Die sort of leads me to believe that it has to do with that unification of yeah. England, that, like, when we come out of it, there's going to be an England. Is sort of my my assumption, just because there are those like seven ancient kingdoms. That's my guess. Um, I mean, it makes sense. It yeah. It's just it, to me, this was the most beautiful, the most perfect ending to a series I've ever fucking seen. Oh, and it was, I was great. Just like, like you and I obviously were sobbing, just sobbing at the <laughs> end of it when he's going through this in memoriam montage in his fucking brain like a psycho. Yeah. I was like, what is there? What else do we need to see? Like, it was so, it was such a complete circle. It fulfilled everything that I would have asked for as a fan. Like, even though so many heartbreaking deaths this season and the season before, like, you understand Mm -hmm. that that's the story and there's some historical basis for all of that. And what, like, I had no qualms with any of that. No, it was great. It was perfect. I was like, wow. There was just a a completeness to it that I was so satisfied by, but also so impressed by because it was, it was all about the characters and it was all about the story. And that it was just like, it felt like as a network, Netflix was like, do what you got to (laughs) do. Kind of. Yeah. In that way that like, do what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I've seen some stuff like on Instagram or whatever from behind the scenes of like filming of season five and just some of the like, you know, the big set pieces that they had to design and build and whatnot to like bring this all mm-hmm. to life. Um, and they did some really, really cool stuff. And like, yeah, they, it was, it was really well done. I would say like for me, it's like definitely right up there in terms of like a finale. With Fleabag. Um Fleabag fucking ruined me. Let's not talk about that. Didn't this, um, though? It did, in very different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think my my other, like, sort of high standard is the end of Friday Night Lights for the very same reason that it did with this one. Because they're, uh, and I mean, whatever, that was over ten years ago, so spoilers, I guess, for Friday Night Lights. Um, <laughs> but it, Like, yeah. spoilers for Sixth Sense? Yeah. Uh, no, I won't spoil that one. Um... <laughs> I refuse. It's a great reveal. If you've never seen it, I feel like it's something that just needs to be experienced. But at the end of the last episode of Friday Night Lights, um, which also ran for for five seasons, uh, what they, the East Dillon um, Lions were in the state championship. And the way that that game ended is uh, quarterback throws the ball and all you see is it like kind of in its arc in the air into the light and then the scene shifts to, like, the beginning of the next season. Mm-hmm. 
and so you don't actually see whether or not they make the whether or not like you know the ball's caught or whatever. You look at it afterwards because you see the players and they've got their like state championship rings and stuff, and it's this like nice little montage at the end to show you you know, six months later, eight months later, where everybody is, mm-hmm. but you don't get, and it's, it was a perfect ending for like all of this stuff being wrapped up. It was great. It was absolutely wonderful. Um, and it ended, I didn't, I don't, I would love to know more about where those characters are, but it doesn't matter because it ended well. And yes, so like, those are kind of thing. like the top three for me. And that's how I feel about the last kingdom because like, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't matter what else happens. No, because no, I agree. The premise and the promise of season one, episode one, has been fulfilled so many times over with this season and with this finale that it's like, it's perfect. It's yeah, it is. And he and like Uhtred ultimately gets the thing that he's been after the entire series is Mm -hmm. he is now the Lord of Bevanbar. Like he, Mm -hmm. that's what he's wanted, and like the things that he had to do to get it are horrifying Mm -hmm. um but he fulfilled that destiny and now he's like i suppose if there were a sixth season my i mean obviously there's not going to be but like if there were i feel like it would open a lot like this season did but without the crazy shit in iceland Mm -hmm. with like uchard and his friends being fat and happy yeah like essentially what are you gonna deal with a fucking are we at the year with no summer yet like is it yeah (laughs) is it a crop short like what kind of is there a conflict with the local blacksmith? Like what small yeah, town? Yeah, exactly. That's for sure what it would be. And and like Shit, so, right? and I'm glad in a lot of ways that we didn't see any of that. That we just get this like, mm-hmm. okay, he's going to be reunited with his youngest son, mm-hmm. and Hild is probably going to end up living there too. Mm-hmm. Because why wouldn't she? Mm-hmm. And so all of the people that are still that he cares about who are still alive are there. Mm-hmm. And what more do you need? Exactly. What more do you need? It was perfect. Uh, Could have used more jokes, um, but it was great. <laughs> I mean, what do you want Finn in to fucking crack jokes over Osfer's dead body? Like, <laughs> oh, that was. We didn't even talk about how Finnan was the one who held him as he died, oh. and that was that ruined me. I felt so bad for Finnan. It, yeah, it was he terrible. Had a hard time. He had a hard time this season. That's he had a he had a rough year. He had a r- yeah. real rough year. Um, I mean, the way this season played out, it felt like it was over. I don't know, two weeks. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, all of the seasons kind of do that, and like, but then you realize if you look back at it, it's like no, that was a really long time in which these things all happened. But yes, everything felt pretty quick. It wasn't as quick as as it felt. I don't think. Yeah. But well, like when the. Sig trigger stuff, like when he charges Aldhelm's encampment. That's obviously like the dead of winter. Yeah, and it seems like the siege of Bedmanburg was in spring, but spring like moving into summer even. Yeah, yeah. So like, there's definitely some time has passed and whatnot. And I feel like Brito was in Efferwich like for quite a long time. Yeah, I don't know. Waiting for Uhtred to get there. Like, she was there for a, for for more than a couple days, right? Like, she was in there for a while, it felt like. Yeah, that's the one thing that I have qualms with, just with this, the show in general, is they show you, obviously, the, the opening credits is, like, all about the map and what's the foreshadowing of the conflict of this season, what, you know, what section of England is under flames, yada, yada, yada. 
but you really don't get a sense of like when Father Peerlig walked to Wales. <laughs> I know. How fucking long did that take? You know what? I'm going to do it right now. What's the capital of Wales? <laughs> Cardiff. <sighs> <laughs> Google Maps is good for one thing. So this is not just a review of the season and a discussion of the season. It's also everything wrong with uh, in less than 12 minutes. Um. To walk <laughs> to walk from Cardiff from Winchester, it says yeah. one day. Okay. Okay. However, Bebenberg is in the north of England. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, what's Bebenberg's name now? Bamberg. Bamberg, right. So, from Winchester to Bamberg, to walk there, it's going to take you five days, Megan. So, if you ride, you could take some time off, I suppose, but yeah. It's going to take you some time. but you also need to rest your animals, you need to... Yeah, yeah. How do you fucking move an army... You're not going to move an army there in five days. No. No, of course not. No, you're sure not. And what's... It's a good point. It started off the first season, I think, did a really good job of dealing with that. And as the seasons wore on, some of the, like, it's like, oh, we're going to go from, like, where's Cookham? I don't know. Um, But we're going to go from Cookham all the way back to Winchester in how long? Yeah. I don't know. An hour? Two hours? According to this, to drive to drive from Cookham to Winchester would take is according to this an, an hour and three minutes. I feel like, we're, but it would take you a day to walk. See, when I think a you know on, honestly a better <laughs> I think honestly a better look at is if we're on Google Maps is to look at how long it would take you to cycle, rather than driving. Right? If you want to like think about horses and whatnot, sure, I think that's but more not a better on horses. No, it's true. Thing. Like, it's Father Peerlink sure wasn't. No, he just fucking huffed it. And fucking young Uhtred walked most of the way to Bebenberg at the start of season four. Mm-hmm. They just, like, dropped him off. Bye. And where were they when they when they started? Where did they kidnap him from? Oh, God, who the fuck knows, Megan? <laughs> yeah, anyway. Anyway, so it's it's interesting. Yeah, because, because Bebenberg is so far away, and that's one of the reasons why, like, it takes him so long to try and get back there, right? Because it's, like, so far from any of the conflicts that he's participating in. Well, um, also, anytime he leaves whatever homestead he's protecting, he's putting that community at risk. Yes. Because a lot of the time, he's the sole reason that no one fucks with anything. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. So according to this, to go from Cookham up to Bamberg would take four days to walk or about a day to cycle. It's 366 miles. That's, that's a fucking long time. Yeah, that's a long That's a long time to cycle. And a huge elevation, too. Like, oh, huge really? elevation changes. Really? Yeah. Yeah, big time. So, yeah, and that's one of the things. They did a really good job, I think, in season one. And actually, season one was, like, kind of, like, hyper-localized, too. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't as much travel. And then as they started to spread out, they would just, like, go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Um, whatever. It is what it is. Um, great show. If you haven't watched it, why are you listening to us? You should watch it. It's so good. Like, and you should read the books, because they're also very good. Um, I find that the... God, I'm just looking at fucking whales on the map and the goddamn Welsh names. Um, 
if if you listen through this the whole way and haven't been like oh it's a perfect season to a show and there's only one of three perfect seasons or like conclusions to a show ever based on these three people who watch a lot of fucking tv <laughs> i don't know what you're doing if you're not gonna watch this show it's true. It's, it's a really good point. Um, I was talking to a couple other people. Like, Riva watched it um, on the weekend after it came out, and then she watched it, like, the whole, like, over the weekend, and she was just devastated by it, too. Um, and I was talking to a couple other people who, like, you know, didn't watch it quite as quickly as I did, yeah. and they were just like, I don't know how you did that. And I was like, I don't really know either. It was not a great idea, like, emotionally. Yeah. Probably should have pushed it over, like, three days, but whatever. It was done. But I talked to some people who have, haven't read the books but have watched the show, and were like, it ended so well. Like, I'm so glad there's a movie, but it ended so well. Yes. Because like, they just want more of the characters, essentially, right? They just want to see them do more stuff. Um, and Which is why there should be a spinoff that goes back in time when Osworth is still alive and is just those four dickheads just wandering around doing stuff. Oh I think it would God. be super entertaining. Great television. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah, it's been, so. it's been, it's been cool. And so apparently too, with the, the, the show, when they first started, it was a BBC show to start. And then I think Netflix picked it up for after season two, I think that is when Netflix like took over. Yeah. I um, think start of season three is when it was officially Netflix. So when the first season was made, I think that there was only nine books and then the next book came out. And then I think that was the original plan was like five seasons. That's where it's going to end. Oh, right. Cause they were doing pretty much two books a season. Yeah, and then he just kept writing, he wrote three more books, and so they incorporated, like I say, they incorporated some of the stuff from book 11 into mm-hmm. um, this last season, but for the most part, they stuck really well with it. And that's one of the things I think that makes this show really good in terms of the ending in comparison to, like, Game of Thrones, which I never watched, but I've heard lots of complaints about. Um, because the source material that they were working with was already done, Mm-hmm. There was, they could do things with it and make some changes and whatnot that, like, didn't, like, not make sense or whatever. Whereas I think one of the issues that people had with Game of Thrones, especially in, like, the last couple seasons, is the source material, like, he hasn't written that book yet. But they also, when the source material was available, diverged from it pretty significantly, too. Yeah, yeah. And so... And so the ending, I know so many people are so mad about the ending of Game of Thrones where they're not mad about the ending of this because the ending of this is, like pretty satisfying conclusion mm-hmm. to all of the things that we've seen. But I think that's, I don't know. I don't want to, no. Okay, I won't say it. It was mean. Never mind. It wasn't kind, so I won't say it. Oh, that's nice of you. Um, we can, we, you can say it when we're done. Um, I don't have any more to talk about about this. Do you? Oh, can we talk about the, how the Northman for like three seconds? I just want to say, I haven't seen it, obviously, and you, I'm sure you haven't seen it yet either. Is it um, because it just, yeah, I think it opened on last night on the 22nd. Oh, okay. So today's the 23rd of April, by the way, in case anyone cares. Um, you know why I'm I've not read... going to see this movie? Why? Cause oh, because of What's-Her-Face. Fucking Lizard Bye, guys. Eyes McGee's in it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to see it for a bunch of reasons, but, like, my qual- my, my quibble with it already before I even st- step foot in the, the theater is that people are talking about how it's such an original story. I'm like, I read the premise, and I'm like, have you fucking seen Hamlet? That's what or I the was Lion saying. King. I was like, any Shakespeare works. Yeah, it, it, there's an uncle and a dad, and somebody dies, and, and avenging a kid the father's gets death. Exiled. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's. I've seen it before, and I was like, and also like we literally just had a show wrap, 
you know, like six, that was this exact show, exact film. Um, so not, I mean, original in the sense that it's not like part of a comic book universe or, you know, the Fast and Furious movie. Like, I get it. I get where they're coming from. It's a standalone production. from a certain text. Like, it's it's working from a script somebody wrote who's (laughs) clearly who's clearly embedded some of his brain within Shakespearean works. Yeah. And so so I get it in that sense it's original, but I'm just like, "Mm, no, it's Mm. not an original story. It's just the same as all of the other ones where an uncle takes the throne. Yeah. Because uh, I would imagine, trust him. I would imagine, uh, boy kings are bad, but uncles are worse. Ain't that's that the what, fucking truth? That's what my uh, English history professor taught me yep. in like my third year of university, and it's true. Uncles are bad, uh, or boy kings are bad because you know they're boys, but uncles are inevitably worse. Um, I imagine in the Northmen, the uncle's gonna get killed. I don't know for sure, but like I won't be surprised when that happens. No, not at all. You know? It's faded. Um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, so not an original story. People need to watch more stuff, read more stuff. Um, but that's all. I don't have anything else to talk about. Do you have anything else to talk about? Um, no, I'd recommend watching The Last Kingdom. Yeah. Um, it's like, this sounds so weird. It's not like quite a comfort show in the way that like The Office is, where I can just turn it on and whatever, but like... I've been, I was working on a project over the last like couple weeks where I was typing up, um, some diaries from, of my great grandmother, uh, to send with my dad when he went to see his sister and some cousins and I got it done and everything. And they were going to go see, uh, my dad's aunt on Friday, uh, in Moose Jaw. I just, you know, and I had made a copy for her as well and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And she passed away Friday morning before my parents got to, got there. Oh, no. Um, which, I mean, she was 94, like, it's, you know. I'm sorry. She wasn't, she wasn't well, but I was just like, ah. Oh. Anyway, um, but my dad got to see his cousins, and he left the copy of the diary that I had sent and left it with his cousin and, you know, whatever. Um, but as I was working on this, I was, I had The Last Kingdom on in the background. Um, because I've watched it enough, and I haven't re-looked at season five, but I've watched it enough that I kind of know, like, roughly when an episode is coming to an end. Mm-hmm. And so then I would stop at the end of an episode and like go do something for a bit. And then I would just sit back down after about 10 or so minutes and like keep going. I wouldn't turn it off. I would just let it play through, but I would kind of like, that was sort of my timer. And so I don't want to say it's a comfort show, but it's definitely become something that I can like work to. Oh, totally. Totally, totally, totally. It's kind of Kelsey has it's taught her and predictable. Yes. And Kelsey has uh, taught her baby that it's a great show. Um, she sent me some videos of him just being absolutely enthralled by things on the television also anytime on bridgerton the queen or fucking lady danbury would show up he was like just staring at them just like weren't you though because i was i mean i mean her wigs notwithstanding but yeah but yeah watch the last kingdom uh and then tell us that we're right because we are Mm -hmm. um and that's all we have i think because it's already been a long time. We did it, Megan. We, we did, did it. it. We talked about 10 episodes, 10 very bleak episodes in less than an hour and 40 minutes. I'm actually quite impressed with us. And there's a lot we didn't talk about. It's <laughs> true. It is. We didn't talk it about is. shit brother, Megan. <laughs> no, we didn't. He, we didn't have to. He sucked. It's fine. He sucked. Yeah. Yeah. 
you knew he was trouble as soon as he walked in. Mm-hmm. Um, and Stuart was right to be wary of him. She sure was. Always trust yeah. a woman's intuition. Absolutely, 100. Unless her name is Brita, then maybe don't. Well, I mean, she wasn't wrong about a lot of things, but she just made bad choices. That's true. That's fair. That's fair. Um, that's all we have for you for this time. Um, you can find us on the internet all over the place if you want to. I don't know why you would, but you can. You can try. Um, we'll put up a thing on the Instagram, at least for this episode. Yeah, we'll find I a good photo. last time. Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. We'll find a good photo for this one. Something from like a behind the scenes of season five. That'll be fun. Um, uh, yeah, and that's all we have for you this time. As always, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you in the dumpster.